His mercies are new every morning. Just as the mist rolls in, so does his presence and his goodness and his his kindness for us. Let's worship him together.
Good. 
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good you take yeah you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good sing it out you take you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good i'm gonna see a victory i'm gonna see a victory for the
is to look to him because he has your victory he has your victory he can take whatever you've been through and turn it for good he can turn what you're going through and turn it into victory he's so good we thank you lord Let's sing this out. We sing, I'm going to see a victory, you guys. And when you see that, you see God. I'm going to see a victory. I'm for going to see a victory. Yes, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle, I look to you, I look to you. I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory, yes. For the battle belongs to you, I look to you. I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory, yes. For the going through. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Jesus. I'm going to stand in that victory that I can look to you, that you see what I'm going through. And you have promises in store for me. You're the way maker and you keep your promise so you can be my light in the darkness. Because when it's all dark around me, God, you're my promise. You're my victory. And I can always, I can always look to you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. And you're moving right now. i 
Stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. 
We're going to sing this out. We're just going to stay in the spirit. Some of us need to really just marinate in the spirit this morning. That even when, even when, and even when, you're working. Let's go. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never sing it with authority. stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop we'll sing it out even when i don't feel it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working never stop you never stop working way maker miracle worker promise keeper
face towards you and give you peace. Sing on it. Amen. Amen.
believe that the Lord is for you? Do you believe that he goes before you and behind you, all around you? He surrounds you like a shield. He is your strong tower. He's your defender. He's your protector. He's your closest friend. He's closer than a brother. You know, some of us are close with our family. Some of us are not close with our family. Let me tell you, the Lord is always close with you. Amen. You can be seated. You know, it's interesting. Pastor Lynn's going to be sharing this morning about the promises of God. And, you know, there's over 8,800 promises in the Word of God. One scholar, I, I don't know how many of you have time to go through and count all the promises of God, but I'm glad someone did and we didn't have to do it. But I was thinking about that and I was thinking, what are the promises of God? Second Corinthians tells us that the promises of God, according to Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, are what? Yes and amen. Yes being that we receive them and amen being Lord, let it be. That's literally what amen means. Let it be Lord Jesus. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. What is it that you need God to fulfill? What promise has the Lord made to you? What promise has the Lord spoken to you that he wants to fulfill? You know, a lot of times we, we lay our, our prayers at the altar and we forget about them. But the one thing about the Lord is he never forgets. You know, yesterday is the same as today to him. Yesterday is the same as tomorrow to him. He is always faithful to us. And one of the things the Lord wants us to do is to put your hope in him. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 31 says that when you put your hope in the Lord, he will do what? Renew your strength. He will renew it. How many of you are weak this morning? How many of you need the Lord to touch you? How many of you need God to just come in and breathe life into a situation or circumstance you're facing? Well, you know, the the beauty about the Lord is that he's always there. And unlike you and I, you know, you go out for you go out for dinner and you only have 20 bucks in your wallet or 40 bucks in your wallet and the bill's 50. The Lord's never short on that. He has more than enough. He has enough to meet every single need of every single person in every single moment of every single time. And God wants us to just put our trust in him and trusting the Lord. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's a real stretch of faith. You know, you really need God to do something. Well, let's believe him together. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in that name that is above every name. The name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, I pray that we can commend our, our, our surrender our needs to you, surrender those things you've promised to do. And I pray, Father, that we can just walk in the assurance of knowing who you are. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just take the words of Scripture and embed them in the soil of our hearts. I pray that, Father, that we would pray that every every promises of God is yes and amen. I pray that, Lord, you would renew our strength. Those of us that are weary, those of us that are tired, those of us that are worn, I pray that, God, your Holy Spirit would just touch us right now. And, Lord, I thank you that you do not come up short. You're not shortchanged on meeting the promises that you've made to your sons and daughters. And, Lord, no matter what we may be facing, no matter what promise we need to hear you respond to, Lord, we know this, that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we imagine or ask. And so, Father, we come before you this morning, and we just lay those needs before you. We lay all of those needs, all of those burdens, all of those things that are heavy upon our heart, we lay them at the altar, and we trust in your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness. Now, Lord, we want to sing a declaration of what you're going to do. 
Lord, we sing a praise song to you this morning for your goodness and your mercy. We sing a praise song to you this morning, Lord, declaring, Lord, that even though we may not see it, we believe it. And so, Lord, right now, we just surrender all of these things to you in your precious name. Rebecca, lead us in that chorus of that song one more time. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Yes, Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's working even when you can't see it? You know, what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things. It's it's the evidence of what we don't see, right? So you may not be able to see it, but you still trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, it's good to have you here this morning. Michael's going to come up and uh, share some announcements with us. And welcome to Crossroads. morning crossroads how are you everybody awake out there <laughs> it was even early for me i got to bed late last night so waking up for me was a little bit of a challenge this morning but welcome you guys made it amen it's always good to be in the house of the lord amen uh, we want to welcome all the visitors and everybody that's um, a guest here if this is your first time here please fill out the information card behind the pews you can drop those in the offering um, when it comes by um, strong foundations class this is a very important if you're a new believer I encourage you to sign up for this class this is a the Bible says that we need to have a strong foundation amen and it's it's key in our walk with Christ amen I encourage you sign up um, I believe let's see the fishing trip men they're planning a fishing trip I don't see the date up there this Saturday coming up. So this Saturday, there's a fishing trip to Santa Cruz Wharf. Um, for all you fishermen out there looking to catch the big one, um, I encourage you head out there. They're going to be out there. They're going to carpool here at six in the morning. I believe you can contact Randy for more information. Um, single ladies, yeah. any single ladies out there? <laughs> this is for all the young ladies and single ladies to get together and uh, fellowship with one another, encourage one another in your faith. Amen. Uh, Friday e-newsletters. Uh, it's very important that we have your, your email if you want to be up to date on the activities that are going on. Um, not just that, but also prayer requests. Um, sometimes they, they release prayer requests in those and uh, I encourage you, if you do not have that, uh, if you're not signed up for that, sign up for that. Amen. Um, gathering opportunities. Um, there's many gathering opportunities. We got the men, the women who are on a break right now um, from Wednesday, but they still get together, still fellowshipping, still doing things outside of that. Um, the youth is still going. Um, there's hiking. There's all kinds of things to get involved with. Um, so I encourage you get involved. Um, Cecile Benz. We want to take time and, and honor and celebrate the life of Cecile Benz. 
Amen. Um, we all know um, Kim and, and, and her family. Amen. We just want to support them and encourage. Amen. Um, sermons. If you missed a sermon, if you feel like you, you want to go deeper, maybe God is speaking to you about something in that and, and you want to go back, you can find them on Apple. You can find them on Spotify. Um, go ahead and look them up. I encourage you. Daily devotionals. Pastor David, Pastor Lynn, they have their daily devotionals um, filled to the brim. Pastor David, every day through the uh, through your through your email, he's releasing devotionals. We all need that in our life. <laughs> we, we we should have our own time set apart, but also we need to be edified. We need to be lifted up. Amen. Um, missionaries, a crossroads missionary of the week. It's Leroy and Tammy Martinez. Um, they go to Mali, West Africa. I believe their parents started this ministry. Um, they've taken over for their parents. Pray for them. They're, they're evangelizing in the Muslim the Muslim world. Amen. And, and they're learn, they have to learn a new language. Um, they have to oversee churches. And, and they need all the support that they can get. Amen. And with that, we'll go into tithes and offerings. God is faithful. I can't. I, can't tell you enough how God is faithful. I've seen it in my own life. He is faithful. The Bible says to test him. Amen. Test him. I, I, I dare you to test him and see what God will do in your life. Amen. Father, we just thank you, Father God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do, Father. And Lord, I just pray that your offering would go forth, Father God, and minister in your kingdom, even to, to the ones that we don't see, Father. And Lord, I just pray that you would just bless it in Jesus' name. That's what we just sing about. Even when you don't feel it, I'm on the move. The Lord is good to his children. He's excited. He waits for you to get up. He's watching over you while you're asleep. He's waiting for you. You know, just like a new mama is waiting for her baby to wake up. I know that Sandy uh, Martinez just posted a picture of her little baby kind of sprawled out on Facebook. And uh, she said, you know, she kept sleeping and she kept waiting for her little uh, Bia to wake up. And she would, she was doing everything loud so her little girl would wake up and her little girl st still kept sleeping. And you know what? The Lord is like that. He's all, you know what? I am watching over you. I love you. You know, I don't know if we really grasp the incredible love that God has for his children. Is this going to be a quiet service today? Come on, we've got to have an amen corner. By the way, my parents are here and my nephew TJ are here. Wave your hands. 
They're, they usually sit up in the front. I don't know. Maybe they've backslid since. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you're going to get some ministry from them at the end of service. They're, they're saying, well, really? I said, yes, you are. And, and it has to do with the promises of God. We're going to talk about how kingdom builders stand on the promises of God. What do you do? You stand on the promises of God. Having done all to stand, you stand, right? And that is the heritage of faith that we have because right from the beginning of the faith, the father of our faith, Abraham, stood on God's promise. The patriarchs stood on God's promise. Now, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. To stand on God's promise is to say, even when I don't see it, I believe it. There is, you know, the truth is this. See, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they look toward the work of Christ. We also look back to the work of Christ. Because we have to have faith even when we don't see things in the physical realm. We believe in what the word of the Lord is to us. And we have to exercise that. And today I'm going to help you do that. To stand on God's promises more now than ever. I feel like God's calling forth his children in the earth to be people of faith. And I'm telling you, there is a line drawn between those who are not people of the faith, children of God, and those who are children of God. And the distinction is going to get greater, not less. Do you understand? There's been a blurred line going on for a while. For decades, for a couple generations, there's been a blurred line. And the fact is this, it's going to be a quiet one today. The church many times in the earth has tried to make the kingdoms of this world, their kingdom, their resting place, their nesting place. But the truth is this, for us to stand on God's promises That means that this world will not be our resting place or our nesting place. Okay, we're going to read that. We're going to actually go into scripture. Get out your pens, put on some some notes so that you can say, well, you got some scripture. When you leave this house, I'm going to tell you, one of my greatest pet peeves is when somebody preaches and has no scripture. (laughs) What you need to know is the word of God. Somebody give me an amen to that. You need to know the word of God because that's what you're going to stand on when you leave this place. Not on my illustration, not on a funny story, but on the word of God. Amen. Okay. Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. Yes, it's a long scripture. Stick with me here. Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful I love this. Who had made the promise. 
She considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sound, sand on the seashore. You know those descendants are you and me, right? We're the descendants. He's the father of faith. You are his descendants. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. See, we don't like that scripture very much. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. What kind? A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises were about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. These patriarchs that we have that are part of our faith lineage stood on the promises of God. And they did not see with their physical eye everything that was promised to them. But still, that promise was true. Still, that promise was true. They believed in what God said before they saw it manifested in the physical realm. See, to stand on God's promises is to believe God even when we do not see it manifested in the physical realm. And some of the things they did see God bring to pass. He, he promised land to them. He promised a miracle child from two old people. They did see that happen. He promised descendants, but did Abraham ever see the descendants as the stars of the sky? No, he did not. He saw them from afar. See, Paul writes in Hebrews that the fullness of the promise was welcomed from a distance. The fullness of the promise was welcomed from a distance. And Abraham did not see everything that God had promised him. But this is the interesting thing. Abraham's reasoning changed through the process as God called him and nurtured him, teaching him to stand on his promise. His reasoning changed. Why did I read the very last portion of that scripture? That last portion says that he brings Isaac up. Paul is referring to the time when, when Abraham is bringing Isaac up without a lamb to sacrifice that Isaac is going to be the, the sacrificial lamb. And yet Abraham knows that this is his promise. This child, it's this miracle child is his promise. And yet his reasoning changed saying, I believe in God's promises more than I believe in the circumstance. So I go up to Mount Moriah by faith saying, God will su supply. God will provide. Even though I don't know how he's going to do it. His promises are true. His promises are true. I may not know how to figure out what God is going to do about the situation. But I know 
And Abraham got to that place in his journey. I know God's promise is true. And it's more true than the physical circumstances. That's where God wants us to get to. He wants us to get to the place where we believe in his promise more than reacting and responding to the physical circumstance that seems contrary to his promise. So we're going to stand on his promise because just as the patriarchs stood on his promise, why do we have faith today? Why do we have the message today? It's because people believed God. See, standing on God's promises doesn't mean you will see everything on this side of heaven. I want to touch on this. Because especially in the American church, we can have an entitled view that we should receive everything right now. We are a right now culture. We are a disposable culture. And if God doesn't give us what we want right now, then we can be very, uh, have a very bad attitude. It's true. We can be whining and complaining. But the truth is this in scripture. And maybe people have just been taught wrong. Maybe we've just had a very weak faith. Maybe we didn't want to use our faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We want it to be seen. But it's not seen. That's how faith is built. Is when we're waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Our faith is being built. And God is more concerned about building our faith in him. His power. His ability. His love. Than whether we get the lollipop. Come on. You know it's true. So in this scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13 says. They welcome their promise from a distance. They welcomed their promise from a distance. Verse 16 says, even instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They were longing for a better place. Longing for a better place. Two things. When we stand on God's promises, our reasoning is different. Our reasoning is not like the world. Just like Abraham's reasoning was different. It doesn't make sense what God is asking me to do by sacrificing this promised child. This child that Sarah and I have waited for for 25 years. It doesn't make sense, but I reason differently because I trust him. I trust what he says. I trust that he's going to fulfill. I trust that I will receive what God has promised to me. Our reasoning changes when we stand on God's promise. If your reasoning reflects the world's reasoning, I'm going to tell you, you're not standing on God's promise. We as believers with a transformed mind should reason very differently. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to some of those things. The other thing is this. When we stand on God's promises, we recognize we are not of this world. This is a big one. Because a lot of times believers, children of God, want God to fulfill the promises. Usually the promise we're asking for has to do with some sort of need, some sort of pain in our life. In this case, for Abraham and Sarah, they were a childless couple. A lot of times the promises we're asking for, standing on, we want God to fulfill a need. God wants to fulfill that need. He set it up. 
that we would desire him. But at the same time, many times we're asking God to fulfill a promise so that we get cozy in this world. We're trying to make this world cozy for us to live in. Forgetting that we're not of this world. The patriarchs understood, I am not of this world. I am a stranger. I am an alien in this world. I'm going to tell you, as believers, in 2021, do not cozy up to this world. Do not ask, I want to be comfortable. Let me sit in my lazy boy chair. I'm going to tell you, when King David got in the lazy boy chair, you know what he did? He saw Bathsheba bathing and committed adultery. Our job is not to get in a lazy boy chair. Because of the blessings of God. Our job is to understand that we are foreigners and aliens in this world. We belong to a greater kingdom. We belong to a heavenly kingdom. And our heart's passion should always be towards that. No matter how blessed we become. Woo, Jesus. And I'm going to pray this house gets blessed. And you have been blessed in this house. This house has prospered. But this house will know. As a community of faith. We do not belong to this world. You do not belong to this world. Your children do not belong to this world. We belong to a heavenly kingdom. With supernatural power inside of us. To bring people into that heavenly kingdom. Come on. I've seen too many. Believers stumble because they've received the blessings of God and started to worship those things and started to get cozy in the world. And the very blessings, the very promises God has fulfilled in their life, they've used to make this a nesting place for them. And as a result, the next generation was lost. Their children were lost because they became a nesting place. That this world is your home. This world is never your home. Woo, 1 Peter 2.11. Dear friends, you are like visitors and strangers in this world. This is the New Testament. So I beg you. I love Peter. Peter, you know, if you read scripture and how Peter wrote, Peter wrote in the most basic fisherman koine greek rough language so when you read peter's epistles it's rough it's rough in the original language he wasn't a refined writer like the apostle paul he was a rough writer you know and he says i beg you i beg you to keep your lives free from evil things you want to do those desires that fight against your true selves the fact is is we do have a flesh battle Because we're still people in this body that we have. And we need to deny our flesh because the world is wanting us to become like them. The world wants us to to say this is our home. Taking on the world's values. And it is important for us to recognize as people who stand on God's promises that this world is not our home. We're strangers. We're aliens in this world. But we're to stand on God's promises. It's interesting about standing on God's promises. Because we're supposed to follow this example of the patriarchs. See, because Abraham had to believe he was the father of many nations even before he had one child. Woo! (laughs) 
He had to believe. Sometimes I, I kind of understand that sometimes the vacuum, the vacuum in the physical realm. There was no child there. No child to even look at. And God is saying, now believe you're the father of many nations. In this vacuum of not even one child, he had to believe. That's standing on God's promises. Romans 4, 18 through 22. Let's read. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. What does that say? Against all hope. In other words, the physical realm said it can't happen. The stat- statistics, the scientific evidence says it can't happen. Against all hope. Against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. Do you think that there aren't going to be things in your life that it's against all hope? God is going to say now believe. A lot of times we don't want those circumstances. Against all hope, it's impossible, Pastor Lynn. Yeah, now let's believe. It's impossible. Aren't we people of the supernatural? Aren't we people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We are. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith... He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded. I love that. Fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I am fully persuaded that even though the circumstances say it can't happen, my God has power to do what he has promised me. He has power to do it. I am fully persuaded. And this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. When we stand on God's promise, it means I believe. I believe. I believe even though the circumstances, all the circumstances tell me different. I believe. And why do I believe? Because God told me it's going to happen. God promised it to me. And that's why I believe. I believe in the word of the Lord more than I believe in the word of man. That's the people that we're called to be. You understand that. That's who you're called to be as followers of Jesus Christ. Scripture says all of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus came. So Abraham's looking forward. Jesus comes and he sacrifices his life. Now we have received Christ. We now have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Where are you seated right now? You're seated where? With Christ in heavenly places. You're also seated here. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And you're seated here. You're in two places at once. Second Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made. They are yes in Christ. See when Christ came. He paid for all those promises to happen. It's not by your works. It's not by your goodness. It's by Christ. His blood. 
and he's given it to you. He's given to you all the riches of heaven. And now we are his children. We dwell in Christ. And so now all of the promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen says, I'm going to agree with it. See, why does this scripture have to have the second part of that verse? See, Jesus has done the work, but we have to say amen to it. Our job is to agree with it, to say, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the yes in Christ or am I going to believe the no of the world? Because we're saying amen to somebody. Amen means I agree. Let it be so. So who are you saying amen to? When it comes to your life circumstances, when it comes to your challenges, when it comes to the things that you are to stand on, believe God for. Who are you saying amen to? The Lord has said yes to us. And you know what? When we've received Christ, now we live in a privileged status. Do you know that you are in a privileged status in compared to those who have not received Christ? You dwell in a very privileged status status because you have the holy spirit inside of you why is it that people are criticizing unbelievers and all this stuff why are you tearing them down don't be tearing them down don't you understand they yet do not have the holy spirit inside of them the power to overcome inside of them the victorious power why are you pointing at them you shouldn't be pointing at them you should be praying for them you should be loving on them you should be showing the kindness of christ towards them come on no, we are in a privileged status. We are seated with Christ now in heavenly places. And we should have the revelation that we are in two places at once. Yes, we are here on earth, but we also have spiritual access to the heavenly places. We have spiritual access. You know what's interesting? The Old Testament kind of refers to this with one of the patriarchs. See, after Abraham and Isaac were passing or leaving jacob was the third of the patriarchs and jacob has an interesting situation because due to jealousy and due to some things happening in his home he has to leave his home and go to his uncle laban's house on his way he has an encounter with the lord now there's a couple things here this encounter shows something significant about the spirit realm and about our relationship to the spirit realm. But the other thing, it also shows that every generation needs to discover God for themselves. Every, even no matter how godly the former generation was, Abraham, Isaac served God faith, faithfully. And yet Jacob himself had to encounter God for himself. And it shows us in Genesis 28, as he's on his way to Laban's house, he has a, an experience with God, an encounter with the Lord. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway, stairway resting on the earth, which its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. See, he's reiterating the promise that he had given, God had given to his father and his grandfather. 
your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east to the north and to the south see every generation needs to find out god's promises for themselves and that's what's happening all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring i am with you and and will watch over you wherever you go and i will bring you back to this land i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised you so he has this incredible spiritual encounter with the lord when jacob awoke from his sleep he thought surely the lord is in this place and i was not aware of it he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of god this is the gate of heaven why is this important to the promises of god the promises of god are supernatural they're supernatural and when you stand on the promises of god you're standing on something that's supernatural Jacob is having the revelation of the supernatural that God's presence is in his life that the that there is a a porthole there is a a that the the earth is a footstool to the heavens that the heavens and the earth are not separate from each other there is not a division between them but through our faith through who we are serving god there is an encounter an ongoing encounter with the presence of god which is supernatural do you realize right now that you're in the very presence of god how awesome he is in this place even as i'm preaching this word that there is a great cloud of witnesses as hebrews speaks about right now trying to encourage you trying to say yes keep going run the race stand on god's promises encounter recognizing wherever you go in your job in your office in your home in your school in your neighborhood that you are in the presence of god that there are angels ascending and descending on your behalf fulfilling things on your behalf god's messengers see here in the old testament significant scripture and yet in the new testament because the holy spirit dwells in us the presence of god the encounter of god in our lives is not intermittent here and there every once in a while it's daily moment to moment god's presence is with you why because his holy spirit dwells in you but do you know it do you recognize it or is it like the hot and cold water you just turn it off and turn it on when you want it that's not what the lord wants for you he wants you to have an ongoing presence with him that's how you can stand on god's promises that's how you can recognize i am not of this world but it comes through faith see he jacob had a revelation he had a revelation of the presence of god but not only a revelation he had a respect for the presence of god a respect and honor for the presence of god you're here you're here and i didn't even know it as believers as people with the power of the holy spirit may we not have the statement i didn't even know you were here because he is always here he's always with you he never leaves you he never forsakes you and you say well sometimes i don't feel it even when i don't feel it he's working 
He's there. He's hovering over me. He's with me. He has my back. He goes before me. He's blessing me. Recognizing God's presence is in your life. Just as Jacob encountered the Lord, so we are to recognize God's presence is in our life in powerful ways. Some of us, you know what, we, we have situations, maybe our job demands or our, our business demands or family demands. And rather than going to the Lord regarding some of the challenges we have, we take it on ourselves and then our heavy burden. Or we take on the philosophies that we shouldn't be taking on that are around us. And the Lord is crying out to you today saying, I am here. I am here to speak to you. I am here to cover you. I am here to go before you. I am here to give you wisdom and insight that no one knows but me. Wow, you are in a privileged status. That's what it means to be privileged. Living here in a privileged status. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not even aware. Lord, make us aware. Make us aware. So what do we do with the gap between our experience and his declared promise because the truth is this god has given us all these promises all of the promises are yes in christ but in our experience in this world there is that vacuum sometimes between the promise and the fulfilled promise the promise and the fulfilled promise when we see the promise manifested in the physical realm and a lot of times this is where christians grow very frustrated very disoriented, very uh, angry sometimes at God. And what do we do with that gap? What do we do with that gap? Well, let me kind of identify some of those gaps that happen. The gap between who I am and who God says I am is filled with this promise. Who I am and who God says I am. So the reality of who I am, warts and all, and who God says I am. Child of God. Being like God. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever watched this show. I think it's on Netflix. It's called Nailed It. Do you know what Nailed It is? It's when a professional, they have like a professional cake that uh, is there. Some sort of bakery item. Some sort of nice thing. But an amateur has to try to do that cake themselves. And a lot of times there's this big difference between what the perfection of the professional is versus the amateur's way to try to emulate that. And a lot of times that's the way it kind of feels in our life that God says, this is who you are, you're a person of authority, you're a person of power, all these things that God says that you are, you're overcomer, you're victorious. And then you say, but there feels like a gap in my life. There feels like, yes, God, I believe in those promises. And yet it feels like in my experience, I'm not those things. Anybody with me in that? (laughs) Yes, I'm not those things. What do I do with that gap? Let's read here. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, we are to believe who he says we are 
and yet at the same time know that we're in process. We're to believe who he says we are, standing on the promise, and yet understand God is processing us. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. We are being transformed. We are in process of being like Christ. So we stand in the promise of God that we are a child of God, that we are like God. At the same time, we have a process. Now, let me give you some illustrations in Scripture. See, David is an example of this. David is anointed to be king as a shepherd boy. And God views him, when God looks at David, He sees him as a king, but David in the reality of 15 years between the time he's anointed and he actually becomes king, his crown is placed on his head. God looks at him as a king. Who looks at him as a king? God does. So David is anointed. The promise is given to David through the anointing. But there's a 15-year process. That God is bringing him through. And in that process, God is testing David, wanting and making David's heart a pure heart after him. Let me give you an example because Saul, King Saul, doesn't like the fact that David is his competitor, and Saul pursues David. And there's a time in 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7, where David's heart is tested. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Now, who's saying that? The men. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master the Lord's anointed or lay my hand on him for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. What's going on here? David has the promise of being king, but God has a process for that promise to be fulfilled. A lot of times we want the promise fulfilled without the process. And God gives us promise with the process in mind. Woo, come on. God gives us the promise with the process in mind. And we stand on his promises, but as we stand on his promises, God is at work in us, developing us. We are his workmanship. See, God looked at David as king the very day that he anointed him, but he said there's a process. I'm going to bring it to fulfillment. The promises that God has for you, your family, your children, your lives, he will bring to fulfillment, but he is concerned with the process. And you know what? God's greatest concern in our process is that we become like Jesus. 
See, David actually in the Old Testament is like what they call theologically a type of Christ. A heart after God. And in a sense, God is saying, you know what? I am making you. I am making you into the king that I want you to be for my people. We have to welcome not only his promises, but his process. Joseph is another example. Joseph, young man, favored child, has a a grand dream. You know, when people tell you their dreams, you know, and people tell me their dreams all the time, help interpret them. And they're grand dreams. God has purposes and plans for your life. And Joseph was going to be the authority in his dream. He was going to be the authority over his brothers. Well, his brothers didn't like that. He didn't, they didn't like it at all. So they got rid of him. And Joseph goes through a process because Joseph's destiny is to be a savior. He's going to save Israel, his brothers, the people of Israel, and he's going to save other nations as well from the famine. But God has a process in order to bring forth the promise. And I want you to know that we stand on God's promises knowing that God is processing us. A lot of times, I'd have to say, God's processes aren't fun. David being pursued by Saul in the wilderness wasn't fun. Joseph being accused by Potiphar's wife, being thrown into jail, being in jail for a long time, being forgotten there was not fun. It was being crucified, the flesh being crucified. And yet the story that we read, the beauty of the story of the fulfilled promise over David and over Joseph is the fact that they endured the process to see the promise. And I'm telling you, the same God that gave them the promise has given us the promise, whatever promise it may be for our lives. And we are to not forsake or refuse God's process. Romans 12:1 Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship the gap between who God says we are to be you're going to be king you're going to save people and the gap between that promise fulfilled is God's process God's presence and God's process. The gap between another gap. And this is very popular in our lives. The gap between abundance and lack. The gap between having abundance and lack is filled with God's promise. You know, Paul writes in Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who strengthens me. So many times I've prayed with people who say, you know what? God has promised blessing, uh, provision, financial blessing. And yet I am experiencing lack. Did you know that there's a gap there? That that gap, God is processing you. There's a purpose in that because God is still in your lack, just like Paul says in this scripture, even in your lack, God is still Jehovah Jireh. 
Even in your lack, God is still El Shaddai, the abundant one. Well, what's going on? God has promised it. Why am I experiencing the gap between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise? Yes. All of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And yet we have this gap in our experience. You know what? Let me give you an example of why God does that. Deuteronomy chapter 8, his people regarding Israel. He brings them into the desert and he tests their heart. This is what it says, Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. It's, it's humbling when you have lack, by the way. <laughs> Come on, if you have lack, you're like, oh, Lord, you're abundant. Oh, Lord, and I can't even. We're going to go home and have peanut butter and jelly. Maybe no jelly anymore, but we're going to have peanut butter. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Anybody there? Am I the only one that's experienced that? Because he's testing my heart. To say, are you going to believe me that I am still El Shaddai? This is what he's doing. For 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Oh, he's testing my heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. Will I keep your commandments when I have lack? And I'm believing you. I believe that you have power, Lord, even though I have lack. And he humbled you and let you hunger what and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know did you know that the word manna actually means what is it (laughs) that's that's the actual interpretation what is it they got this stuff and they're like this is your provision what is it He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know. Woo, here we get to the power. He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That scripture sounds really, um, really familiar because Jesus quoted that. To the devil in the desert when he had fasted for 40 days and remember I told you that your authority comes from the fact that Jesus exercised authority so did you know that your authority comes from the fact that you believe even when you don't see the enemy wants you to give up when you don't get what you want in the physical realm and Jesus in the wilderness He is quoting the very scripture that God says in Deuteronomy to say, you know what? My resources, my provision does not come from the world. It comes from him. And I'll stand on his word about my provision, even when I don't see it. In Deuteronomy, God gives a manna. What is this? What is this manna? And the truth is this about the manna is that according to Numbers chapter 11, verse 6 and 21 through 5, 21 verse 5, it says this about the manna. The Israelites didn't even like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> they didn't even like the manna, according to scripture. So God gives them the provision and they didn't even like it. And the fact is this, did you know that your Abba Father building the muscle of your faith, building the authority that he wants you to have, that he will provide for you. But have you ever had God's provision in a way that you said, ah, not my preference. This would not be my preference, God. I don't want it this way. And God's, oh, no, this is the job for you. I don't want to clean toilets, Lord. This is a job for you. This is going to feed your family. I'm going to pick up some cans. This is your job for you because what is he doing? According to Deuteronomy, I'm going to humble you and I'm going to test your heart and I'm going to test your obedience because if I'm going to pour out my blessings upon you, I want to know where your heart is at. Going back, how many times? Blessing has gotten in the way of people serving God. Why? Because they make it their home. They make this world their home. And God is testing his people in Deuteronomy. And if he tests them there, he's going to test us here. As Paul writes in his scripture in Philippians, I have learned to be content. I can have plenty and I can have want and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My heart is tested. heart gets tested the gap the gap between the provision and the promise it's the testing of the heart and not just the testing of the heart but the testing of your obedience you know what i'm going to hit something some of you are going to go this is a nerve i don't want you to hit on. i'm going to hit on it anyway because it's scriptural the testing of your obedience to tithe you know when people want to stop tithing is when they don't have enough and they say, Pastor Lynn, I just don't have enough to give the 10%. But it's a testing of our obedience, see. Because just as when Michael was up here, Scripture gives us a promise. Scripture gives us a promise about give and it shall be given to you. Scripture gives us a promise in Malachi. He gives us promise. And you know, we like to bypass the hard stuff. We love the promises and we love the blessings. But what about the obedience? What about the testing of the heart? See, I'm telling you, God is bringing his church in the earth into maturity that we are warriors so that we can say to the enemy, I, I don't serve the bread of this world, but I serve the word of God. Woo, Jesus. What does he go on and say? According to Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 17. This is what he says, because God plans to bless his children. See, God is not a God of poverty. He is not a po impoverished God. You realize that he is not. There's nothing that he created all things. He has all things, all riches. But he wants to test our hearts. And according to Deuteronomy 8, 3, 11 through 17, it says this. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. I see I'm blessing you. I'm giving you that provision. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up or proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt 
Egypt. That's why he's testing the heart out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart. Isn't that funny how man gets here? My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I've done all that for you. And then you say, it came from you. That's why I test your heart. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. The provision and the promise, the gap is to test you, to train you, just like with David, just like with Joseph, just like with Abraham, still the same today. He is making us like Jesus, and he is testing us, and we are to be taught by the Lord. What else? Your sickness. What about the gap between sickness and healing? It's the promises of God. The gap between sickness and healing. Isaiah 53, 5, by his wounds we are healed. We stand on God's promise. Psalms 103, 2 and 3, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord who heals you. These are the promises of God. I stand in the vacuum between God's promise and my healing, and I stand on his word. I stand on his word that he heals. He continues to heal today. Even when religious folks say no, even when the world says no, God says yes. And I will stand on his word. All of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Even when I have sickness or disease, he is my healer. And in that gap, I stand on his word. I stand on his promise. What about the gap between the battle and the victory in the battle? Good example of this, Joshua and Caleb. Remember the story when it was time to go into the promised land. Twelve spies went in. They all came back. Ten said no. They saw the problem. But Joshua and Caleb did not see the problem. They saw the promise. They saw the promise. They had to wait 40 years. But Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land because rather than looking at the problem, they saw the promise. How many times do we focus in on the problem when God says, do you see my promise? Have I not said to you? See, God's promises are required for the impossible. He's a God of the supernatural. And may we not sit here in this beautiful sanctuary, in this county that's a, 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 one of the wealthiest places on earth, in what we call this California state, the golden state. May we not sit here and be removed from who God is, the supernatural God who says, I can do the impossible. May we not nest in this world, but may we be people who say, I'm going to stand on God's promise. Do you don't know how many people have said, you know what? You guys are in a very difficult part of California. You're a very difficult part of the U.S. You know, I've even had some people tell me that we're in uh, like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I said, you know what? I'm a missionary here. 
I believe God for this land. I believe God for these people. I believe that Jesus died for these people. I don't stand on the problems. I stand on the promise that he's faithful and he's able and he's a breakthrough God and his power is great. I am totally convinced of his power to build his church here. And it be a muscle church, a strong church, an influential church, a powerful church, drawing men to many to Jesus. God's promises are required for the impossible. This house is going to be a house of the impossible. It's already been the house of the impossible. Pastor David and I have entered into our 10th year. Yes, 10 years. I said to him, did you think we were going to make it? He said, no. I didn't think we were going to make it. I said I didn't either. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God standing on his promise. You know what? 2013, we'd only been here a year. Tough year tough year 2014 I broke my foot God made me stay here any of you know that story it was you're not going anywhere Lynn you're not running anywhere I'm going to break your foot and he did and I knew I knew you're not going anywhere it was a literal break and it was painful so painful that I almost didn't get to go to Israel for our anniversary but I remember when we begin to do the hard work of turning some things around, difficult things, painful things. And I remember when I first started being the principal here to turn around the school here. And I had people that wanted me to focus on the problem rather than the promise. And there was times when I'd lay in bed and I'd say, God, I'll go down with the ship. And if everybody sees me as a failure, so be it. But I'm going to stand on what you said to me the day that I took this over. Anybody in the board knew that that wasn't my preference to take over the school. But the Lord asked me to do it. And the Lord told me regarding the school, especially the preschool, but also the elementary school, said, let the baby live. Let the baby live. Let the baby not only live, but thrive. The baby will thrive. And so many times in the next couple of years when it was real tough turning things around, I would cry at night. I'd be tough during the day. Then go home and just weep, crawl into my bed and weep because I stood on the promise of God that you will fulfill that which you had spoken. Recently, Mackay House, you all know the story, just paid it off. Lots of money going towards a house that I really had no intention of supporting, (laughs) but God. And there were people I know that they chatted behind my back, what's she doing? What's she doing in COVID, especially the second time around? The first time around, everybody's pretty with me. But the second time, (laughs) when we had to raise more money, tens of thousands of dollars, I knew, oh, I bet there's some chattering going on about, is she doing the right thing? But God, because I'm going to tell you that people of God's promise don't focus in on the problem. We focus in on what God has said. A few years ago, a few years ago, actually it was 2007, we were up in Seattle. We were pastoring a church 
the Lord has always had like a missions heart upon me and Pastor David. And I remember one day, it was a multi, it was a large church, large church. There was multi-campuses and we were pastoring one of the campuses. But Holda Bantain, who was a veteran missionary to India, was at the main campus and she was speaking there. And if you don't know the Bantains, they were, of the Assemblies of God, our denomination, they were one of the landmark missionaries of India, specifically in Calcutta. One of the most significant, even to this day, to the Indian people, no matter if they're Christian or not, uh, that they made a great impact. Still, their ministry still continues on today. And I remember hearing and knowing that she was going to be at the campus. And I said, David, let's get in the car and let's, between services, because we had a couple services, and let's drive over to the main campus and have her lay hands on us and pray over us and impart to us. So, now remember, this was before India was ever on the map, okay? India was not on the map. This was just us saying, why not, right? Blessing. I believe in blessing. I believe in impartation. I believe in that. So we went over there, and she did pray for us just a few minutes. She said, Lord, I want to receive this blessing. I want to be engrafted into a blessing. See, the fact is this. When a tree has it engrafted, it's stronger, not weaker. Did you know that? And according to Scripture... As Gentiles were engrafted into Israel, right? You are, most of you are Gentiles. You've been engrafted into Israel. And therefore, you've received all the blessings of God for the people. Because you've been engrafted in. You've been adopted. So we get a blessing from Holda Montaigne. And actually, just about a month or two ago, Holda Montaigne passed away. And I remembered this blessing. how at that moment I didn't even know what it meant but I knew that it was important and what God has done through us to the nation of India we have multiple ministries going to multiple church plants going to start a, a ministry training school in central India with multiple pastors training a and the Lord and the Makai House and House of Hope and the college and just multiple ministry. And I said, Lord, I know that it comes from that blessing. So what does that have to do with God's promises? Well, God's promises are all yes for you. And some of you in this room, God has something special for you today. Because some of you, I feel like when I was praying, you have come into the faith later on in your life. And the Lord wants to give you a blessing today. Some of us, maybe because we didn't, we were raised maybe with godly parents. So we come into the faith a little later. We feel like we've maybe missed out on some things, have some gaps and say, well, I can never have, you know, Pastor Lynn, look at you. You have godly parents and all that. Look at you. But I'm going to tell you today, God has promised you a heritage of faith. God has promised you the blessing of your forefathers. And also the generations will follow you in that blessing. 
Now, what the Lord wants you to receive today, for some of you, the Lord wants you to receive a very special blessing. That's why my parents are here. Mom and Dad, can you come down here? What I'm going to have you do is I'm going to, just like Holda Bunting laid hands on me for a special type of blessing. I'm going to give opportunity for those of you that have never had a blessing from godly parents or some of you have never been dedicated to the Lord. You know how we do with small children and you came into the faith. If you want it, if you want it. And it's just going to be a short blessing, but I know that for many of you, you say, you know what? I want to have um, a godly home. I want to have godly children. The Lord is wanting to bless you with that. He has given to you that promise. You've been engrafted into his kingdom. In other words, my parents are your parents. My godly heritage is part of your heritage now. If you want that. I want you to stand. For those of you that say, you know what, Pastor Lynn? Kind of like what I did. With hold up and taint. It's like, you know what? I don't know what I'm getting into, but why not? <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? You're like, oh, okay, why not? You know what I mean? Let's just go for it. But I know that God's promises to you is for you and your house, we will serve the Lord. That's God's promise to you. So, well, my house, my children, they're You know what? Stand on His promise. In the gap, the gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, stand in the gap. The Lord wants to give you that blessing. If you say, you know what, Pastor Lynn, I want that for my life. I want you to come down. Just get blessed right now. Just get your hands laid on. We're going to sing the blessing. This is going to be a powerful, powerful time. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.
the circumstances. Lord, we are people of your promise. We are people of faith. We believe your word, Father. We believe that you can do the impossible. Where a man may say no to us, where the world may say no to us, you have said yes in Christ to us. And we agree with your yes. So, Lord, as we go, we walk in that power and authority of your promises, of your word over our life. We thank you, Father, in your name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Those of you waiting, just continue. We're going to go ahead and continue in response time, even as we go into the next service. He is for you. 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 He is for you.